Hello and welcome to episode 23 of Turner Years. I'm your host, Paul Barrow, and like Candyman Bart Armstrong, he's sweet, and like White Lightning Tim Horner, he's also named after something drank on park benches. This is Tenant Super, Dave Evans. Hey Dave, how you doing? I'm good, Paul. Tenant Super. Tenant Super. You rough sod. I've never personally drank on a park bench. I've never, I've never, I've never drank Tenant Super. I don't think I have. The hobo is drunk of drink of choice. I can't guarantee anything here, but I don't think I have. You don't think you've invited that particular beverage? No. Ah, uh, I still remember that time I, you gave me some wine when I went to to uh, on, a, on a booze not a booze cruise, but yeah, basically it was going to the warehouses in France. You give me some money, and I come back and I got you. I got you. Uh, I can't remember what I got you. Do you, want any, do you want any vodka? So I bought this really awful vodka. It's like a gag. And I bought you this nice vodka. And you still drank the really bad vodka. Of course. <laughs> but you were like, this is terrible. And I'm like, there's a really nice bottle over there. It's like, yeah, well, that's going to be saved for special occasions. Do you remember that? No. <laughs> oh, I wonder why. Because <laughs> I drank bad vodka. You drank paint, what, what I consider to be paint thinner. That was my 20s all over. <laughs> But anyway, we're not here to discuss my drinking habits. No, because that's a very different podcast. Yes. And, and your therapist isn't available today, so... <laughs> and it involves 12 steps and all sorts of yes, horrible yes, things. Yes, indeed. Uh, we're here to discuss Clash of the Champions 12. Full Brawl, 1990, Mountain Madness. Indeed. So, another Clash of the Champions day, if we're getting quite used to these. Yes, um, as with the last podcast, we're re-recording this one. This is a re-record. This is, a, I'm hopeful, this is the last re-record. Yeah, we've uh, we've done what twenty-three shows. Well, we've got a couple more in the bank. Yeah, so twenty-five-ish. Yeah, and we've only had to re-record three. Yes. So yeah, so not not too bad. A not deal. too bad. Not too bad. So I apologise if we keep going about the re-recording of things, but it has been quite stressful trying to get together again to do this. Especially that we know we're watching shows we've already done. That makes it really frustrating. And when they're like this show. What, this this is a great show? Hang on, wait, I'll just check my note. Oh, should we just cancel the podcast, yeah? No, we've made a... We've bit, made a commitment. A commitment to our fans. To our fan, yeah. Fans. Fan. Fan. <laughs> All right, yes. Um. So, this takes place in the Asheville Civic Centre in North Carolina. In front of 4,000 people, the seating capacity of that building is 7,674. Oh dear. Oh dearie, dearie me. I thought it was interesting you had facts on how many people were there. Yes. I, I just, I, I was like, that building's not anywhere near full. So let's take a look at how many should be there. So it's nearly half empty. So it's a TV show rather than a pay-per-view. Yes. And it drew a TV rating of five. Five's not bad. Here's the thing. I can never remember whether or not what the last thing we watched did on, on TV. Because you compare it to today, a five, people would be killing for a five. Like, WWE does like threes. But then I look at like, you know, the Attitude Era when it was like routinely in the sevens. So I'm not entirely sure whether that was good. I'm kind of hoping it wasn't good because, as you say, this show was not a tremendous version of WCW. Okay, so the last one we saw of Clash of Champions was Coastal Crush, ah, which yes. did a 4.1. Do 
So this is up. This is up. After that tremendous Great American Bash, this is this is that generated interest, and now this is up. People want to see what Sting's going to do as champion. Yes, and I pity them greatly. So who's our commentary team for the evening? It's our favourites. It's Bob Coddle and Jim Ross. Cool, cool. I, I still love Jim Ross. Bob's getting a bit long in the tooth. He's getting a bit. I don't know. I don't know how to put it. He's. It's not. Jim's still trying to sell stuff. Still trying to put over angles, trying to put over people. Bob, not so much anymore. He's just kind of telling you that this is going on. Yeah. And that's fine, but I, I can't see Bob Coddle being here much longer, personally. As someone who grew up with the WWF as it was in time, I was very used to the colour, flamboyant colour commentator, generally a heel. Yes. Playing off the babyface play by play, and. This isn't that. It's it's an athletic broadcast team. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. It's a broadcast team for an athletic event. But yeah, they're still good. I still like them. But I can't see Bob being around much longer. We're, we're rapidly heading towards the end of 1990. And I can't think he'll be much. He'll be welcoming like 91, 92. Who knows? But we shall see. So, shall we get onto the first contest? The first match of the evening. Your favourites are back. I love this because I hadn't listened to the song in a while when I watched it yesterday. And I like their songs. But other than that, they suck. It's the Freebirds. It's the Freebirds again. Versus the Southern Boys. Versus the Wild-Eyed Southern Boys. In the most racist match I've seen ever. It is, through 2023 eyes. It's the most racist match. This is really bad. So the Southern Boys are dressed as Confederate Generals as always. Yes. And the Freebirds, all three of them in this case, because Buddy Roberts has joined them, uh, in also robes with the stars and bars on. Glittery. Uh, like uh, Macho Man robes from his yeah. early career, like not WrestleMania 4, WrestleMania 5. And if that wasn't bad enough, they've got their faces painted. Yes, and this is something they would do in world-class championship wrestling as well. So while I'd be like, oh, you, you know, why do this? It's something they've done before. On the other hand, when you know it's the other guy's gimmick, why do this? Because Michael Hayes is a dickhead. (laughs) Ah, that old chestnut. So, anyway, on with Jan Match. Jan Match. So, it was meant to be a six-man tag. I've got down here that it's the the Freebirds, all three of them. Yes. Against the Wild-Eyed Southern Boys and Bullet Bob Armstrong. And one of the Freebirds, Buddy Roberts has had an injury, so he can't compete. So it's going to be Australian rules. Yes, which is apparently a tag match. I never knew that. Me either, until I watched this and learned something new. So what's a non-Australian rules tag match? That's just a tornado tag. I don't know. One day, I'll find Jim Ross and ask him. I feel like I've been lied to my whole life. A tag match actually involves no tags, if it's actually a tornado match. We'll never know. Maybe a tag match was originally four on four or three on three or any of that kind of thing. But Australian rules is apparently two on two with tags. Right. So let's get on with this. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dave. The, the crowd are into this match. They're cheering. They're into the show. Shall we say they're hyped for it because first match. I, I'd i say they are. They're, they're more hyped than this for much of this, much of this card. Yeah, but they're... There's energy in the crowd. It's not compared to something like the 
um, Harley Race match of the last show. Oh, yeah, true, Where true. the crowd is sitting on their hands and knitting. I just think it's weird because like, my first note is the crowd not into this whole show except for one match, which is possibly this match. We'll get to it later. So, I I didn't... Again, my notes read, this does not look good in 2023. This is a half-decent imitation of last time's Midnight's Southern Boys match. We were a lot less selling. Yeah, because the three words are in there and they are the Road Warriors. Complete with face paint this time. But So yeah, I thought the Worldwide Southern Boys did well, but the other side of it is just people that don't want to sell, want to show them up, want to look better than them, want to look more patriotic to the Southern states than they are. And like, like you said, they didn't sell. They should have sold. But there is plenty of crowd heat for a lot of the interactions. There wasn't so much um, visceral crowd interaction like we got in the last show. There weren't. There were no chance of anything that is a, a homosexual slur or anything like that. It was just a lot of screaming. I'd, I'd say there's a lot of screaming around. I think that the Freebirds had their fans who had probably been following them around. So I'm. Didn't get into this match myself. I like the Southern Boys. I think there's a great potential. I'm done with the Freebirds. And... We've been done with the Freebirds for around a year. Yeah, uh, and the rest, I think. Who was... Who was in, when we, has he always been... Um... We've had Hayes and Garvin. It's always been Hayes and Garvin, hasn't it? We had Gordy in there for about two shows, I think. I like Gordy. Yeah. I think Gordy and Garvin could have been an okay team. I just think Hayes is... Hayes doesn't belong in there. He doesn't look natural on his feet. You know, it, it's it's rough. Now, I've got noted, I think it's very important. Okay. The, the cameraman who's shooting this around the ringside, does he not look like the camera guy from Wayne's World? In his, with his long hair and jean shorts. I don't and... remember the camera guy from Wayne's World. I remember him talking to the camera. Yeah. He's Wayne's World 2. No, Wayne's World, where they've got the studio set up, they take their own camera Oh, yeah, yeah, that's not that. Nice. Well, that's not Wayne's basement, but it looks... Yeah, okay, yeah. now I know what you're on about. Yes. Show my age here, talking about movies from the early 90s. Early, from around the era of the show comes Wayne's World. Based, based on a Saturday Night Live sketch. I know. I know you know, but do our listeners know? And more importantly, do they care? They shouldn't, because this is a wrestling podcast. Is it? You could have fooled me with the amount of wrestling that's on this show. <laughs> so yeah, I couldn't really get into the. I haven't made many notes on this match because I couldn't really... The imagery bothered me. It bothers me a little bit with the Southern Boys when they're just on their own. But the fact is, every one of them was decked out and they kept referring to Buddy Lee as... Buddy... Buddy uh, Lee Parker. He's not Buddy Lee, he's um, Buddy Roberts and it's Buddy Roberts Lee. Which is... Uh, yeah. The Southern General, and they said if the South had the Freebirds, uh, not the Freebirds, the Southern Boys during the War of Independence, not the War of Independence, of one, uh, Civil War, yeah, Atlanta would probably be the capital by now. Oh. Southern wrestling. Yep. Did the part where both managers get involved, we'll call them managers, seconds they're referred to, yeah, get involved. So, Buddy Roberts. Is faking his injury. Obviously. Pulls a foot. There's a roll-up attempt by Michael Hayes. And then and Bullet Bob, Bob punch, punches him in the face. And that punch is impressive. I, I Bullet really... Bob has a very good punch. He's got a Terry Funk-like punch, which probably means that Bullet Bob just punched him in the face. 
It's Michael Hayes. Do we really care? I'd, 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 I'd have liked to think he punched him in the face. So yeah, they, the free birds lose because they tried to. They should have just had the six man. They, they might have won that. They might have. Well, the free birds don't lose. The free birds win. They cheat. I don't. I missed. I could have sworn the punch went to the end. This is how much I didn't count <laughs> this match. So, my notes. I've got that as like the end. There's a sunset flip, and we end up with a DDT. Double, the DDT. Yes. Yeah. Now I remember. So. Yeah, Freebirds win, Freebirds suck. There's more on the Freebirds later. Yes, unfortunately so. So, should we move on to one of the worst interviews possible? It's the Steiner Brothers. Yeah, if you think listening to this podcast is hard, you should listen to Big Papa Pump himself, Scott Steiner, as he stumbles over every word he trying to de- deliver because he's 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 got a stuck... If he's got a stutter or whatever, fine. But I don't think he even does. I think he's just nervous in that particular moment. And then you've got them facing a team later on who's a new team, who the w- who WCW are hoping to build, I'm assuming. I don't know. But here's the deal. Right, the signers at the moment are US Tag Team Champions, yes? Yes. All right, they are facing a team who we don't know. And more importantly, they say they don't know. Rick says, I don't know anything about them. Do you know anything about them? No. Uh, we don't care, though. We're going to beat them up. And it's like, so, you don't consider them a threat. You know nothing about them, and you still think you're going to annihilate them. So, why on earth should anybody watching think of them as a threat? Exactly my point. Sorry. No worries. <laughs> I'm talking straight over you, and be like, I'm going to make all of Dave's points. But, yeah, so, they're facing a team, and they don't care who they are, and why do we... Yeah, and by the match, I really don't. No, the moment you see them in the match, you're like, "Oh, jobbers!" Okay. So, Clash of Champions has gone from it's gone like, from an important a TV special to standard TV, just with more time. Yeah, it's 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 depressing to look at these shows and think, uh, "How many are there? Thirty something?" Overall, I think we hit thirty-seven before they cancel them. Right, we are on the twelfth. Twelfth. We've recorded the 13th as well. We've recorded the 13th. And I'm at the point now where I'm like, are these worth doing as big shows? Are these worth covering in the same way as we cover pay-per-views? Or would it be a better use of our time to condense these, put them as a little short rundown of like, Clash of the Champions, this this match happened, this person won. This match happened, this person... Because we'll have to watch them in case something happens. But do we really want to cover all of them in such depth or do you want to cover angles that happen on there in depth I'd say we do the angles if they're important to the next show the big show we're going to cover I'm quite down with getting more content out to our listeners I'd ra- quicker I'd rather get pay-per-views out and stuff that actually happens rather than this is a match with jobbers this is a match with jobbers this is a match with nobody this is a match with this is a bad interview yeah I'm I'm down with that Paul I'd say after this year, Clash of Champions will watch them. We may review odd bits, but yeah, I'm, I, I can't, in good conscience, be like, "Hey, everyone should." Li-. Oh, hopefully, we make them entertaining. That's my only. That's my worry because I'm having. I have difficulty now finding things to say about them. Yes, we go off on tangents and start talking about Wayne's World and yeah, various other things. That being said, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to finish this one. We're going to finish this one because. I've already suffered for your benefit. So, 
Buddy Landell versus Mike Rotunda is our next match. Yes. Now, Buddy Landell, a guy I didn't like in a match at Great American Bash. Mike Rotunda, a guy I didn't like in a match from Great American Bash. Right? I would have rather seen the Iron Sheik versus Brian Pillman. Yep. The Sheik wasn't any good, but at least he was giving it giving it a go. He was having a go at the crowd. He, he didn't look bored when he was in there. And he's, for all intents and purposes, in a name for Brian Pillman to beat, in the same way that Stinger's beaten him. Right, shall we go to the key points of this match? Yes. So, Buddy Landell has Skid Row written oh, on wait, his... Oh, wait, 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 wait. I've, I've got something before this. Before? Accompanying Mike Rotundo. Skid Row comes first. Ah. That's in my notes. Okay. Jumping ahead there. So, Buddy has Skid Row written on his arm in what looks like marker, felt-tip pen. And JR says he's got a new tattoo. He's friends with the guys from Skid Row, which apparently he is. It starts rubbing off during the match. Yes. It's not a tattoo. So, yes. And then the big, big thing for Mike Rotunda is he is accompanied by a competition winner. Winner of a Burger King contest accompanies Rotunda, Cindy Anderson. She wrote a poem. And all I can think about poor Cindy Anderson is I've won a contest to accompany a star of WCW to the ring on national TV. And it's Mike Rotunda. And if you're going to write a poem, and if she wrote the poem about Mike Rotunda, and fair play, she got what she wanted, it didn't look like it. No. She was dressed like she thought she was getting flair. She was in a, a floor-length gown. Not, you know, not like she a... She was in a nice enough dress. She was in a nice dress. Yeah. And she's there with the boat captain. I felt really bad for her, because she did, she looked young. Uh, you know, she didn't look like... I'm saying, you know, probably late teens, early 20s. I'd say a bit older, but... But, you know, young. Yeah. But, like... She got Mike Rotunda. She got Mike Rotunda. And if she wrote home about Mike Rotunda, how the hell did she rhyme that? <laughs> Rotunda. Or unless it was Rotundo. No, no. Um, Maybe she wrote about Sting. There's lots of things around Sting. Sting, Thing, Sling. Sting, wing. Yes. And we'll stop there because, you know, we wouldn't want to... We'll let you guys imagine... I'm not sitting there rhyming Thing with Sting. <laughs> um, but yeah, all I could think was you—you you, you thought you were getting flair looked, or sting. She looked miserable. She, she looked utterly mortified, and I couldn't help but think, "Ah, oh, you poor sod." But it was hilarious. Could they now send her out with the tag team in the next year match or the one after, wherever it comes? Send her out with the Southern Boys. At least they're young and like they're—they're they're energetic. That's what I was thinking. Rotundo the, looks young bored. <laughs> he looks as disinterested in her <laughs> as she looks in the match. Yes. Um, this is a nothing match. It's a terrible, boring match. Yeah. And uh, Mike Rotunda wins with a backslide. What? Yeah. <laughs> a backslide. What's your finish, kid? A backslide. Oh, no, really. What's your finish? A backslide. Who's... Who wins the backslide? Apparently, Mike Rotunda. Constantly. He's two shows we've seen in a row now. Oh, so bad. So, we move on from the lovely, lovely Mike Rotunda match. So, we've got a Freebirds interview. Yeah, and they're just yelling about winning and being the greatest rock and roll band of all time. And it sucks. And to prove it, they show a video of them in Hollywood. And I've got notes on their video for them in Hollywood. Video with the Freebirds in Hollywood. Dumb. Yeah, it was very, it was goofy. Them being chased by fans, that sort of thing. And it just put me off the show. 
Yeah, here's, here's the thing. The music was cool, though. The music... The, the track's all right. The track's mm. okay, but it's, it's rapidly wearing thin <laughs> on me because I hate the band. I hate the people involved. And I don't mean I hate them in a... Yeah, he was... Like, I, I hate them. I hate... I love to hate the Midnights. I love to hate Flair. I hate the Freebirds. And it's not in a way I want to get. I want to see you get beat. It's in a please get off my TV. Yeah. So yeah, this put me in a bad mood. The old X Pack. The old Pack. Uh, I'll ask you a question. Mm-hmm. Why do you think X Pack Heat happened? Because like looking back, he's a good wrestler. He's a good wrestler. He can go, and like there's nothing wrong with that. He's not dull or anything. So why do you think X Pack Heat happened? I think it was the fact that. He was essentially still being pushed a similar level and very much down our throats for a while there. It was every pay-per-view had the X-Pac match. His matches got very samey. There is that, but it is the attitude here. A lot of the matches are very samey. I'll tell you why I think X-Pac ended up getting X-Pac heat because he was still doing DX after everyone had moved on, he was still crotch chopping. He was still doing the stick out tongue thing. It was like, but for you, look, X Factor is basically his attempt, and he's still doing crotch chopping and jumping up and down and all this. And I was just, I'm, I'm no stop. Go back to being the one, two, three kid or anything. <laughs> That's why I think X Factor happened. Yeah. Well, it's the old, how can we miss you if you won't go away? There is that, yeah. So let's move on to our next match, and these are the guys I think that she should have come out with. Tim Horner. Tim Horner and young Candyman Brad Armstrong. Yes. White Lightning Tim Horner. So, as their manager, you know, Tenet Suba, how do you think they did in this match against a team called the Master Blasters? So, we've got Master Blaster Iron, who is a unknown sort of thing. He's only... Yes, he's unknown. Is this yeah. his one and only match? I believe this is his one and only match. And then Master Blaster Steel, who's close on seven foot tall. Near seven foot tall. Looks a lot like a guy called Diesel later on. Yes, he looks a lot like a guy called Diesel. He looks a lot like... uh, He's beginning to look a little bit, if you squint really hard, he looks a little bit like Kevin Nash. Now, I just want to say that these two are quite possibly the most... Hilarious Roadrunner ripoffs, Roadrunner Road Warrior ripoffs that you can possibly imagine. I've broken Dave. They're they're quite possibly the most hilarious Road Warrior ripoffs that you can possibly imagine because they've got really bad sort of face paint slash dirt. Are they meant to be working a steel mill and have got the soot on their face? Is yes, a... I think so. I don't. I don't think WCW is caught up on the uh, the steel mill stereotype of the time. Uh, the Simpsons certainly certainly caught that that stereotype. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you just you just remember what that is. But like they're supposed, I, I think they're supposed to have been big tough steel workers, but they also look like rejects from the Road Warrior movie, and they are hilariously bad at this at one point I've never seen anyone with such size have so little ring presence as Kevin Nash in this match oh Elegante Nash you got lucky there's one person with less no no because it 
at least Ellie Gonte had the size where you like look at that you can't miss that guy you you could miss Kevin Nash in this match and he's nearly seven foot tall right they they hit clotheslines that look like they wouldn't break an egg they miss headbutts and they Tim Horner still sells and I feel really bad because I feel really bad for Brad Armstrong he's really good really every time we see him we're like oh wait didn't this guy get more why didn't this guy get more and every time we see him, he's getting fed to people who couldn't lace his boots. You know what I mean? So, Kevin Nash is obviously going to go on and have a promising career. Oh, yeah. Other guys, not heard of again. The other guy leaves. Just According to Nash, right, they left the ring. He went and grabbed the shower, and the other guy had gone. The other guy didn't even bother having a shower. He just left, got in a car, and was gone. And nobody ever saw him again. It's probably for the best. Because that's how embarrassed he was of this. Because you're right, they miss headbutts. The end of the match, because the Master Blasters win, the end of the match, the referee has to turn Kevin Nash towards the hard cam so he can pose and scream and yell. There is one point where Iron yes. knocks down, I believe it's Tim Horner, and it's blatantly obvious he knocks Tim Horner down. He's looking down and Tim Horner will say to him, play to the camera, yell something, scream at the camera, and he stands up for about half a second and goes, rah, and that's about it, because then he goes back to picking him up. Would they have been better off with a manager? They would have been better. In this particular incarnation, they should not have happened, right? Better, yes. Still a total disaster, absolutely. Because Heyman's just lost me, Mark. Yes, but but I honestly think putting Heyman with people this bad would damage Heyman. These are these are really bad. You, you I don't I can't guarantee that's what happens. But he knock he knocks Tim Horner down. He's looking over to pick him up, and then suddenly stands up and flexes and gives like a micro yell. And he's so worried that people will notice him that he's immediately going back to pick him up. It's hilarious. It's kind of sad for the guys that can actually work on the other side of it. But this is the beginnings of one of the most successful wrestling careers of all time. So I've got a note here. It says, I honestly don't know who sucks more, iron or steel. Iron, but only just. And the worst part about it all is the Master Blasters win the match. Yes, easy. it's a squash. It's a glorious squad squash. You've won this tag team who... We'll get to the tag rankings in a bit. They're in there, though. Everyone's in the rankings, though, because there's, there's, they're just dying enough. Here's, here's the thing. This is proof there is nobody in WCW. Everyone's gone. And with good reason. Yeah, there is, they, they're just hiring who they can for cheap. And you get what you get. So, onwards. After that, we have Flying Brian doing an interview about running the gauntlet. Our old mate Tony's back. Tony, Chavant. Chavante himself. Chavante. And what's he saying? So the gauntlet is um, three matches over three nights. And if the person running it wins, they get the cash prize. If not, it's split three ways among the opponents. That's an awesome little idea for like a little story to tell. You couldn't do it every week, but you might be able to do it two or three times a year with people you wanted to, to push. They plan on doing it every week by the sounds of it. Oh, I know, but, but you, you shouldn't do it every week because that means you've, got to sacri- you've either got to sacrifice three people every week because otherwise you're booking a loser. 
Yeah, or have that one guy who beats the star along the way. Yeah. There are, there are things you can do. I, I love the idea of trying to make their sea shows important. So it's $15,000 to... The so winner. It's a lot of money in 1990. Or 5k a piece. 5k is a lot of money for winning one match. Yeah. So not bad. Especially if you haven't got if, if he loses the first one, you haven't done anything. You've made 5k. And if you've lost the first match and your next guy wins, you've won 5k. You've won 5k. For losing. Everything to gain and nothing to lose. So we go straight from that interview into another interview. This is Missy and Flair, isn't it? It is. It's Missy Hyatt and Ric Flair. Flair talks about Luger and I'm having flashbacks. It's, I'm going to win the US title off you, Luger. Because that makes me number one contender and then I can get my belt back. I love that idea. I love that idea. But why Luger? Why again? We've seen it four or five times now. Uh, Easily, yes. It feels like more because we watch these shows multiple times. Well, you have we have to do that. We have to take enough notes. Yeah. Cause, but yeah, um, I have to say it was Luger Flair at the start. It was Luger Flair at the Starcade tournament. That Luger, uh, Luger and Flair at Capital Carnage, Capital Combat. So there were two. There were two Luger matches at the start. There was two around Capital Combat. There was one at the tournament. So that's five. This is the sixth. This is the sixth time in twenty-three shows. We'll have seen Flair versus Luger. So for anybody who's not that good at maths and needs to know, that's just over a quarter of the shows have had a I like steak, but you know what I mean? You can't eat it every day. Talk for yourself. Love steak. So yeah, um, Missy is all over Flair. As she should be, that's her character. You're going to beat that loser Luger and all sorts. Yeah. So Good, quick, not unexpected though. In the moment you mentioned Luger... A deep pit opened in my stomach where I was like, really? Nobody else, eh? On to the next match. We um, have a debuting tag team for us anyway. We do have a debuting tag team. It's some people we know, and I'm going to re- I'm gonna read my notes without telling you who the people involved are. Wow, this is bad. Arm ringer stuff goes on way too long. Blank, don't sell. But I'm not sure they should. JR at one point says people were out of their seats at a near fall. They were probably out from getting hobbed up JR. This match sucked. Blank wins with a top row of elbow from Blank. It sounds well more impressive than it actually is. So right. keep keep my those notes in mind as Dave tells you who's in this match. So the match is a, the one team of Terry Taylor and Jackie Fulton who have never teamed before against the Nasty Boys. Yes, the Nasty Boys have arrived. And it's it's just bad. Like, it's, it's good for the Nasties, but the Nasties don't belong in wrestling matches. And this is a wrestling match yeah. that they eventually turn into a brawl. But, like, Terry Taylor and I are trying to do arm ringers and stuff. And it's like, no, no. Terry Taylor shouldn't be near this match if they want to make anything of Terry Taylor. No, exactly. It's just like, if you're going to give a team, one of your teams, some jobbers, and another team, some people we know, how about you take the opponents of the Steiner brothers, who are coming up later, and the opponents of the Nasty Boys here, and swap them around? All you've got to do is do that, and you get an instantly better match. 
for both of them, in my opinion. There are, I wouldn't say, great points from this, but there's a couple of spots which I felt were... Thinking, uh, most the Jackie Fulton is very impressive in this match. He hits knobs, is it, or sags? I've got the name here. Knobs with a German suplex, bridging German suplex. And that's a big guy to do that Knobs to. is a big dude, don't get me wrong. Like, like I said, it's the fact that the Nasties are trying to do a wrestling match. Yeah, they shouldn't be involved in wrestling. They should be involved in fighting. Yeah. Like, go up against a big, strong team, maybe like the Steiners. I understand you don't want to, you want to build the Nasties. I imagine they're going to the Steiners. In fact, they thinking about the... it, yeah, they got the Steiners. Yes. But but right now, you're just kind of like, these guys aren't wrestlers. You needed to put them in a fight, and they looked really impressive. And I'll be honest with you, as much as I said it sounds way more impressive than it actually is, I think it sags, hits the elbow, and it did look impressive. It's just, if I say an elbow from the top rope, you think of Macho Man, yeah. and this was just like a building fell on someone, because he wasn't paying attention to where he was going. He was just, I'm going to land on this, I don't care. Yeah. They're big, tough guys. This should be in a much quicker match. Yeah, they've, they've been put in the wrong situation. That's my problem most yeah. of this card. You're put in the wrong place. And we're going to go on to situations of people being in the wrong place even more in a second. Yes. So, yeah, the Nasties win. Easily, but not as easily as they should. Yeah, easily, but not as easily as they should. And we're going into Sid in an interview. Oh, I, I love it. I love it because... Sid's not having any of it because the main event tonight is Sting for the World Heavyweight Championship against the Black Scorpion, a man from Sting's past. And who's the interview, interviewer, sorry? I'm not sure it's either Gordon or... I think it's Shivani. Is it Shivani? Yes. Probably. I think it's Shivani. And what happens is you end up and, and Shivani starts trying to get the Black Scorpion details in and starts to tell a story and Sid shuts that down quick. He's like, I'm not being involved. He doesn't say this, but there may as well be a massive flashing sign saying, I'm not being involved in this garbage. I want to wrestle the world champion. I will wrestle the world champion. I don't care if the Black Scorpion comes near me, I'll kill him. Yeah. It's, it's the Stinger I'm after. He's the world champion. who essentially tells the Sting's not losing that title. Yeah, of course. But just really think he was. Nah. But he very, very quickly is like, I don't care about the Black Scorpion. It, it almost to me is like I don't care about the Black Scorpion, and neither should you. Good, good little, good little uh, skit, uh, skid, <laughs> Sid screaming promo though. I like I like Sid's promo technique. He's always very quiet, and he loses his temper. And it's, it's 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 I love it. It's the most eighties of nineties wrestling promos. We can move on. Yes, yes again to a match. It's Bill Irwin versus Tommy Rich. Why is this happening on, on a Clash of Champions? I'll tell you why. They don't have wrestlers. During the first match, something was said that horrified me. There are ten there are ten matches here tonight, is what JR says. Now I think he also included the dark matches, but this is a two hour show. I think we might actually have ten matches on this card. Okay, well, alright. There's ten matches. It's it's bad, it's awful. If you have that, you might have something. Personally, I'd like, you know, five matches two of them tag and three single and you can make all of those feel important instead you've got matches like Jackie like Tommy Rich and Bill Irwin Bill Irwin who was destroyed by the Stinger and looked bad doing it like the good the good is Bill Irwin not the goon the ice hockey jobber from the WWE 
I don't know on that one. I'm... I believe he is because you uh, you had Freddie Freddie Joe Floyd, which was um, Tracy Tracy Smothers. Smothers. You had Dirty White Boy was uh, the plumber, yeah. whoever that was. T.L. Hopper. Yeah. And the the idea there was to make some jobbers with gimmicks and let them beat lesser jobbers. So you had people that you could beat and they'd be okay. And then you let them go and do work the indies a bit under those gimmicks to make some money. And Vince was just like, well, give them stupid gimmicks and they'll get beaten every week. So what's the point then? But I believe the, the goon is Bill Irwin. Not, that's not happened yet, but he wasn't good as the goon either. This is an awful match. It's because neither of them belong there. There's no. There should have been a disqualification within the first like couple of minutes. Um, let's see if I got this right. So Bill is hip tossed by Tommy over the top rope, which is an instant disqualification in the NWA. And the referee staring right at it does nothing because that's not the finish. And Jr. tries to cover it up. Here's the thing that they they can't decide whether or not. Whether or not to stick to that rule ever, I, I swear somebody in '95 is talking about that. I, I swear they talk about that, that in an intro. Well, we'll get there. Yes, we will, and we'll be able to decide. So the finish of the match: Tommy reverses a power slam into a sleeper. Bill escapes. Tommy hits a fez press, a fez press, a fez press, and gets the win. The the Steve Austin, you know, transition move is the pin here, and. I just put this company are so low on talent these guys in the ring they're okay at best yeah. we've said this about matches over the past couple of shows they belong on regular TV yeah they have no place on big shows but this isn't a big show it's not anymore it was the Clash of Champions the first two three were big important events and they've just got a bit worse and a bit worse and a bit worse and now this is pointless because they're not even hyping a show they're no. hyping another match. They do mention Sid and Sting. They don't mention. Don't tell you when or where. It's, it's just annoying. Should we go on to the top ten? Please do. To, to change the Cause subject. Because I'm pretty sure that you've noted these down. Yeah, so WCW top ten singles. We'll start ten and work our way up because that's the way they did it. Yeah. So this is not including the world champion. The world champion is not included in top ten. These are the challengers, essentially, for the belt. Yeah. So, at number 10 is Buddy Landau. So, Buddy Landau is one of the top 10 single wrestlers in this company. Mr. Skid Row himself. The next, number 9, is Tommy Rich. He's just had a win. Yeah, okay. Number 8. And he beat Harley in the the show before. No, he didn't. Harley won. Oh, no, Harley, yeah. It's uh, waste hard. <laughs> yeah. Um, number 8 is JYD. He was competing for the title not that long ago. Is he still there? I reckon he appears on TV and waves at the fans, that kind of thing. Yeah. Number seven should be hard up, in my opinion. Flying Brian. Yeah. Number six, a man we haven't seen yet, but he's on this show. Stan the Lariat Hansen. Stan Hansen? Number five is Sid Vicious. Number five. Okay. Number five is yelling at your world champion. Number four, also of the Horseman, is Barry Windham. Number three of the Horseman is Arn Anderson. Number two of the Horseman Rick Flair. is Ric Flair. And because he's the US champion, number one is Lex Luger. So your top five there is decent. 
I'd might have switched around, but Andrew TV champ, I think that's probably going the higher ranking. Yep. But I'd have put Sid under Rick personally, had him as number three, because nobody's going to know. Exactly. It's, it's not real. It's yeah. worked. I certainly wouldn't have Sid below anyone. He should be above Barry. He should be above Arn. Yeah. Only Rick and Lex, who are competing tonight for the number one, should, should be above. Right. Shall we move on to the tag team top ten? Yes, please. Number ten is Captain Mike Rotunda and White Lightning Tim Horner. Who didn't team tonight? Tim Horner had another Tim Horner had another tag partner tonight. So what happens if Tim Horner wins in, as part of that team? Is he in there twice? Uh, who knows? Number nine is back on the list again, this time in the tag team. It's JYD with El Gigante. Oh my god. Oh my god. What an outstanding team that is. Number eight, they were both on the last show, but neither of them teamed. It's Flying Brian and the Z Man. They've been a team, though. They've been a team. Obviously, still teaming on TV and the like, but then we haven't seen them in a while. No, it has been, it has been quite some. It's been at least four or five months. Number seven, we haven't seen in a while either. The Samoan SWAT team. They're... I could have sworn they'd left. No, they're still there. Still there. Or at least they're still <laughs> still being there. Yeah, they're still being used as being there. <laughs> number six. Yeah, but if you're going to do that, wouldn't you be like, number three, Hulk Hogan. <laughs> <laughs> number six, the fabulous Freebirds. Oh, at least they're not in the top five. Number five, the Southern Boys. Who just lost to the Freebirds. Number four. The Midnight Express, who have just lost their US tag titles recently to the Steiner Brothers. Number three, the Horsemen. Which 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 combination? It doesn't say. <laughs> Number two, the Rock and Roll Express. Yeah, okay, okay, let's do an established team. And number one, because they're the US tag champions now, the, the Steiner Brothers. Brothers. Okay. There's some t- there's some variation in teams there. I I mean JYD and, and Elegante not being if you're going to put them in the top ten, them not being ten is a bit is a bit bad. So we move on to an interview again. Yes. This time with Stan Hansen. I love this interview. This interview for me is the best or second best thing on the show because Stan Hansen says there's only one reason to be a wrestler and that's to go for the gold. So I'm going to go out win my match and then I'm going to face Sting and. Tony quickly goes, well, actually, um, you need to be the US champion to be the number one contender. And you're only number six on the list. Six? I've never been sick than anything in my life. <laughs> and he goes off on one. He goes mental. Yeah, there's chewing tobacco going everywhere. He's like, he's like, is he wearing chaps but no top? I think so, yes. It's just, it's just, it looks disgusting. It's amazing. Yeah, Stan Hansen is gross. Yeah. But he's Stan Hansen. Like, he's meant to look gross. Yeah. He's meant to look like uh, you're bumped into this drunk guy at a bar. And you are like, thank God he didn't beat the heck out of me. I, I, I'm i not even joking. I honestly think this is either the first or second best thing on this show. <laughs> I agree with you. Stan Hansen just comes across really well. He comes across that he cares, which about 95% of the people on this show really come across that they don't. And there's reasons they don't. Like. Yeah, because they've been running to the ground by like... You know, got to save some money, Oli Anderson, <laughs> and don't know what I'm doing, Jim Hurd. So we go from one of the best things on the show to something I'm not sure I liked or not. 
we have a women's match for which is unusual for us this is very very interesting actually because again this is another example this is not this is not only a women's match this is a women's match for the women's world's heavyweight championship which is not a wcw championship no it's lpwa so ladies professional wrestling association i believe so and we have the champions susan sexton defending against bambi yes now i have said it's for a non-wcw championship and wcw make a great job of it by failing to show the belt the referee holds the belt up and he turns to all for all four sides of the ring and by the camera focus by the time the camera's focusing on the belt they're focusing on the back of the belt it is awful <laughs> so both girls are baby faces yes Susan Sexton comes from Australia whereas Bambi comes from North Carolina somewhere yeah I think it was North Carolina or Georgia she's a local girl yeah and gets cheered and Susan Sexton is booed the, and she's kind of taken aback by this she's, yeah she wasn't expecting to be booed quite so viciously it's like yeah you're against a local girl and you're a foreigner yeah, you, used to it. you are you are the de facto heel. Um, that's the only note I have on it. Yeah. So the other thing is Susan Sexton and one. But I've got this. I've got this comes from the LPWA, who were once who were sort of a, a more in-ring based version of Glow. That's the way I looked at it. Glow was very character heavy, and these were not characters. No. She was called Bambi, but she wasn't coming out in deer skin or like with antlers or anything like that, or. These were just women who yeah. wrestled. And nobody cared. And they failed to show the belt. And this is the second time, the second time, uh, the commentators talk about Sting wristwatch night. I didn't note down the date. But apparently there is, they are doing a show where the first thousand people, thousand kids. Under the age of 14. Under the age of 14, get a free Sting wristwatch. And our two commentators are like, I want one of those wristwatches. Maybe we can hire some kids to go in for us. It's like, guys, <laughs> you're both you, middle-aged men. You this should be talking. You should be talking about how this is already sold out and like, or how like it's, it's a hot ticket. And you, you're the babyface announcers. You would never steal off children. Uh, but yeah, they mentioned it. I can't. I think it was the first match they mentioned it in, and then this match, and it's just like, well, what's the objective here? To get someone to come to basically a house show. You're on national TV, and you're like, "Please come to this house show. We're going to give away some wristwatches." It's 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 embarrassing. Yeah, to think of all the work that Flair's put into making Sting, that you know Luger's put into keeping Flair on track, that the Horsemen have put into protecting everything going on to make it serious, that they've got rid of a lot of the goofy gimmicks like the ding dongs and things like that, and the, the dynamic dudes. And all that's happened is they've just cheapened out. If they'd have, I know, I know hindsight is is twenty twenty vision. It's easy for me to say they wouldn't give Mark Callis a raise, so he left. But they can buy a load of what wristwatches with Sting's face on. Yeah, they've probably, they probably gone from the back of a van, mate. But like, you know what I mean? It's it's that kind of thing. It's like it's it's not knowing where to put your focus. You are so low on talent. You've had to you've had to bring in another organisation to help fill some time on a on a national nationally broadcast for free radio. I mean television program. Yeah. This should be where you're showcasing 
everyone you have. And instead it's like, uh, Bill Irwin, I guess. Um, I don't know. Uh, we, we're running out of people. You're run by Ted Turner. Open the purse strings. The amount of talent that has just walked out of here or been fired from here. or You know what I mean? Look at the people we had when we started. Dr. Death, gone. We talked about him earlier. Mm. Terry Gordy, not here. Tully Blanchard. Tully Blanchard. Arn Anderson took a break to go to WWF to make money. They wouldn't hire Tully, Tully back because of a cocaine thing. And I'm sure, you know, there's no way that's the only time any every The American Dream, baby. The American Dream. The Road Warriors. Yeah. Barry Darso. Yeah. These people are all just got. I mean, Nikita's. Nikita. Out. Nikita's out. Nikita was out due to a family, family friend's yeah. illness. So I'll give them Nikita. But there's in. The powers of pain? The powers of. They just opted and gone to Vince. Now, don't get me wrong, some of those were before the WCW buyout. But a lot of them weren't. And a lot of them must have been disgusted with. Let's push these guys. Why? Because they're a bit like the Rockers. Let's push this guy. Why? Because it's a gimmick. It's for kids. Let's. Or, you know, you've taken people that could have been good and put them in gimmicks so goofy they're desperate to leave. <laughs> well, I'm just thinking about people who have already left. And I had one and then I forgot. Uh, Sorry, I've been talking. Yeah, it's not come back. Um, Norman the Lunatic. Ricky Steamboat. Ricky Steamboat. Ricky Steamboat came in. He's gone back to WWF not long after this. Yes. Uh, by the end of 90s, back in WWF. He's back for SummerSlam, isn't he? 90? No, he's not there for SummerSlam in 90. Is he not? He's in 91 SummerSlam. But he's not. Oh, he is 91. Sorry, I, I, keep yeah. thinking, I keep thinking 91 was Wembley, but it's 92. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's, he's in 90. But yeah, he's, he's gone. And he was your world champion. Yeah. Um, the Bushwhackers. The, the cheaper. I understand some of them leaving for money. Like the bush, the Bushwhackers would have been like, we're killing ourselves out here. And I'm going to be paid to lick some child's head. Yeah, I get that. But there are some people who are inexperienced who are going, just give me a bit more money and I'll stay. Hmm. And they're like, no. So you're losing people. Even, I can't understand why you'd not say, yeah, okay, it's not my... As bad as this sounds, this, this happens later, it's not my money. You can have this. But Oli seems to be like, I'm going to hire all my old friends and we'll be fine. And it's and it's just... The issue being, his old friends are all old. old. I was going to say, Harley Race, you know, a legend. It's too old to be doing this now. JYD, a legend. Far too old to be doing this yes. now. It's, what are you doing? Sheik. Sheik wasn't, uh, wasn't Oli, was it? That was someone else. This is the end of his... Yes, yes. Um, so no, we won't blame Oli for Sheik. Well, you know, it's it's that kind of thing. It's like trying to do things they don't know where to do or what to go. The only thing they've got is the top of the card. And now that's becoming repetitive. Or it was until tonight because things are about to get very, very different. So we move on from our women's match. Susan Sexton still champion. They have a handshake to prove they're both baby faces. And onto a tag match, if I'm right. Yes. Straight onto the tag match, we have Maximum Overdrive, who the Steiners have never heard of. So why do we care? One of them called the Hunter. I haven't got the other one's name. Then the Silencer. Oh, that's amazing! I knew it was something dodgy. Right, these guys are proto Steve Austin's. 
right? They dress in black. They're not bold. They just dress in black. That's the only thing they got in common. Steve Austin. I just thought <laughs> I just wanted to bring up a more exciting name. Yeah, if that'd be a face paint, there'd be another Road Warriors ripper. Yeah, yeah. It's it's such. There's nothing to entice you to this show. There's no big. Wow, I can't wait for that. I I suppose they would have thought that Sting uh, that. Obviously, they think of the Sting match, but we'll talk about the Sting match in a bit. Yeah. And obviously, they think that Flair Luger is going to be a big draw. It, in two years, it's been six times, plus whatever you see on TV. We, I know we said it before, but it's just one of them. It's just another big stumbling block. So anyway, onto this contest. Yeah. Should we just cut it short? Because Maximum Overdrive have got a US title shot, despite never wrestling anybody before. They could have wrestled on TV. I don't think they did. I don't think they did by the way the commentators talked about them and the way that... The Steiners talked about the them. The Steiners talked about them. Cause so, US title match, tag title match, and they've never wrestled on TV or thing before. So, you're expecting they've got to have something. No, no. They're job guys. They're job guys. It's it's like if you turn if you turn on like Survivor Series 1990 to find Dwayne Gill and Barry Harwitz. Just like, yes, we're going to face... 90, so what was she 90 was that um, tag champs would have been the half foundation yeah it just wouldn't happen I didn't want to say SummerSlam because I know Barry Harvitz did do a SummerSlam match in like 94 95 Dwayne Gill's pay-per-views came quite a bit later yeah but that was a that was a that was Gilberg <laughs> he, he toiled but I suppose they gave, they gave Barry Harvitz some wins before then as well and that was his entire storyline he's never won and now he's won that was the thing I can't. I mean, okay. Let's say Scott Taylor. Any number. What I'm saying is, someone you saw on Superstars, yeah, <laughs> turned up at a pay per view. You'd be like, wait, I'm paying for this. What are you doing? And I know this isn't a pay per view, but still, this is supposed to be a bigger event. It's certainly a bigger stage because it's national. Well, the Steiners win. DDT from the top. Impressive yeah. looking move. It looks like it kills people because I'm pretty sure it broke someone's neck. <laughs> it's either that or the bulldog. Pretty sure it's the bulldog actually broke someone's neck. That's why they stopped doing it. They did the bulldog for years though. Yeah. Anyway, we move on from the Steiners winning to Missy reminding people they need to watch the main event. Have they realised how bad the show's been and they're just trying Please to... Please stay tuned. <laughs> yeah. We promise something's coming up. Look, come on, Sting! Look, Ooh, look how pretty! Look how pretty I am! I promise I'll turn up later if you pay attention. It's Sting versus the Black Scorpion. Everybody wants to see that. Yes. And here we can go. Our hero of the night is Stan Hansen. Stan Hansen versus the Z Man. The, the Z like. Man. Yes, the Z, the Z Man. Okay. I know he got jobbed out by Vader last time. Fine, and he's lost a lot, but he did do some winning. Yeah. Surely you could put him in there with someone that isn't Stan Hansen and give Stan Hansen to one of these job guys. And maybe have him and Pillman in a tag match somewhere yeah, on the card. Yeah. As they're in the top 10 tag teams. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So this is a squash match. Yes. We're watching We're watching an episode of WWF Superstars from the like early 90s. Saturday morning, I'm sat there with Michelle Wheat. You didn't even have Cocoa Pops, man. Nah, I, I had Shreddy's twice. No, I had... I varied things, because, you know... I, I'm not I'm not a chocolate uh, chocolate cereal guy. I'm not really, but... I, I like bicycles. 
Oh, uh, I prefer Rice Krispies. You say Rice Krispies with sugar on? Ricicles? Oh, no, no. I didn't know that was the thing. They were part of the variety pack. Yeah, I, I know. You, you got to love a variety pack. <laughs> no, because you end up with Cocoa Pops and I don't like them. I had a brother. Ah, I didn't. So I got the Frosties, he got the Cocoa Pops. Fair, fair. Okay, then. So, yeah, Stan Hansen wins in impressive fashion with the Lariat. Midway through this match. Yeah. It's not a very long match. No. They cut to an interview with Lex Luger in the back. It's not Lex in the corner. This is a full screen. Yeah, Lex. the match is going on. and We're not even watching it. That's how important this show is. <laughs> so they bad. They can't even be bothered to show it <laughs> to us. It's hilariously bad. No <laughs> wonder Stan Hansen doesn't like Lex Luger. <laughs> no wonder he does what he does in a bit. <laughs> oh, God. It's so funny, though, because... As soon as you start analysing it, you're like, what the hell? Because when you're watching it, you're like, this is bad. But it's now that we're talking about it, I'm like, wait, yeah, that did happen. That happened. What are we doing? I was waiting for the SummerSlam 89 thing because Dan Hansen smacks Z-Man outside the ring with a chair. No yeah. disqualification. And this happens at SummerSlam 89 with the Warrior. Oh. Which Jesse, but the body goes, that should be a disqualification. And Tony Schiavone goes, it's outside of the ring. <laughs> and Jesse the Body responds with, can he just get a gun and shoot him then? <laughs> yeah, I, lo- I love Jesse. So, yeah, it's a squash match. The Lariat looks brutal. Zeman, <laughs> it is. Jan Zeman does a good job of selling it. No, he doesn't. You have to do a good job if someone smashes yeah. you as hard as they can. Their arm well, come on, Stan Hansen can barely see. Yeah, he's like, I have to wear it hard because I can't really see where you are. Yeah, so I'm just going to put it in the general direction and hit you as hard as I can and then we'll get the pin. He seems like a really nice guy as well. Every 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 interview I've ever seen, he's like, oh yeah, he's a great guy. Every one of, every person he ever talks about, he's like, they were really nice. Yeah, great, great to work with. <laughs> but you never hear anybody say... Stan Hansen took liberties. It was like, ah, oh, yeah, Stan was a bit short of sight. He was a good guy, so you never, you never minded. And we get more of Stan Hansen. So. Yeah. Are we giving away who our MVP of the night is? Matt, possibly. There, there, is a, there is a Ric Flair match and a Luger match and a Sting match coming up, so we don't know. So we've got Tony Giovanni talking up the main event, showing highlights from previous matches they've had. Which is great. It's a good thing they should do more. They should refer to their history. This was from Wrestle 190, this stuff. Yeah. And he says something about those, seeing those chops in that video must bring back some, some very vivid memories. So we have more Lex talking here. Yeah, so why did you do it during the so match? Talking, yeah, I was just like, did that really happen like that? Yes, yes it did. <laughs> yes, yes it did. So yeah, Lex got two interviews very close together, one of them in the middle of someone's match. Right. <laughs> you look angry. It just baffles me, this booking, at times. <laughs> Only at times. It baffles me constantly. And we move on to the match itself. And we've got Ric Flair versus Lex Luger for the US title. Which Luger is holding. To, to be fair, I will talk a little bit about that Luger interview. There is a good few lines in there where Luger says, See, now the shoe's on the other foot. Now, you want something that I've got. So now we're really going to see if you've got it, what it takes to, to take something from me rather than keep something from me by having people you know it was it was it was good it was just, I was just apoplectic at what the hell it had already happened 
I remember, yeah, I just remember being like, this is weird. But talking about it now, it's like, no, it's just bad. It's just really badly done. So, yeah, they, they start the match and they do a nice little stare down. Oh, I want to talk about my favourite Ric Flair robe being his robe for this thing. It's, a, it's the 92 robe as I see it. It's the butterfly robe. It's the butterfly robe. I love the butterfly oh. robe. I think this one is my favourite. It's the one that they couldn't get hold of for years. I think uh, Conrad has it now. Conrad Thompson, his son-in-law. They tracked it down for uh, WWE's Most Wanted Treasures, that TV show. Yeah. And Conrad's like, well, I'm buying it. <laughs> They're like, can we get it? It's like, yeah, you know, it costs you this much. You know, we can't really, we can't really pay that for. <laughs> and um, they, he says, I'll do it for a load of money. And this other particular road that I like. Have you ever heard this story? Have you, have you watched Most Wanted Treasures? I saw bits of it. Um. I'll do it for the jungle robe, which is like a green one with like orange embroidery on it. I know the one. Right. And I want, I think it was like 125 grand and I want the jungle robe and Rick's like, I know who's got the jungle robe. Let's go and have a word with him. And it's Charles Robinson. And Charles Robinson has got it on display in a room, in a case. And he's like, so you really like that thing, eh? He's like, like it, I'm getting buried. <laughs> and you just see Rick being like, well, I can't ask him now. And like Ricky's like starting to cry, and he's like he's obviously like really emotional about it because it is it is obvious that Charles Robinson loves Ric Flair. It was obviously in WCW, and it's obvious. And literally, they're like, yeah, we we can get back. He's like he's like most iconic role, but we need this. And he's like, I'll do it. I'll do her, Rick. If Rick wants me to, I'll do it. And they're like, you just gotta say it. He'll do it for you. And Rick's just like, I can't. And he's like, are you sure? And they get this. They get this. They get this robe, Charles Robinson, who about twenty minutes before was like, "I'm getting buried in this thing." It's 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 heartbreaking because you can see neither of them really want to do it, but there's cameras there, and they're like, "If it was staged, and it possibly was, it was really well done," because I was like, "I feel bad for both of you. I feel bad for you wanting to give it up for him." But I feel bad for him not wanting to ask you. It was really well done. But anyway, yeah. back to this match. So, yes, we'll get to little nature later on in the series. Yes, we will. I love me some Charles Robinson. Yeah. So, to me, I've written, this is a typical Flair and Luger match. <laughs> yes. There was, a, there was a nice bit of the stare down where Luger is there and, and he's got the belt over his shoulder and Flair is just there like, I'm coming for I'm going to take that. And it's me and Sting again, and that's all I'm after. You know, I'm I'm taking that, and he's trying. It's almost like he's trying to convince himself about this is what's going to happen. It's like he's lost his world title, and he's kind of he's still the man, but he's a little bit shook about the fact that he doesn't have that belt anymore. And then after that, it just turns into another Luger stick, a Luger flare match. Hmm. Very good, but a bit being there, done that. In fact, a lot being there, done that. This is where you can look and say, and never repeat this. Never repeat this, listeners. You can look and be like, maybe Jim Hurd's got a bit of a point if they're just going to rotate the same three guys on top and they only really have the same match. But then again, that's WCW's thing is to get new people into the main event for Flair to face. Because when he was facing Ricky Steamboat, they were different. Funk. Funk, it was different. But right now, their entire top 
is Flair and two guys. Flair basically trained in the ring. He didn't train them, but they were they were green, and he took them under his wing yeah. and said, "This is how you do these matches." So that's how they do those matches. It's it's very frustrating because, as I said, I don't, I don't I genuinely don't believe that Jim Hurd had a point. But when you look at it, you can feel like there's ammo in the gun right there. There is ammo in the gun because all you're doing is having the same stuff happen. So we've had a story building for the past about hour on this show. Yes. Since the rankings went up and we had a little interview. Stan Hansen. Who's never been sick for anything in his life. Is that was very upset and wants the world title. So he's going to have to do something to get the world title. And this is where he makes his mark. So he's had his match. And Luger interrupted it. Yep. And then Luger had an interview after his match as well. To really rub the salt in the wound. And Stan Hansen is pissed off about Luger. And comes into the ring and clobbers him. Yeah. He really does. So Luger retains his title by DQ. Yeah. So why is Flair not annoyed with Hansen? Because Flair's moving on. To do what? Well, the tag division's suffering a bit, so he's going to be a horseman for a while. I've got news for They're you. They're highly ranked in the tag division. I've got news for you. Every division is suffering a lot. Yeah, but don't worry. We've got the Black Scorpion to save it. <laughs> All right. Okay, Dave, you got me. So anyway, <laughs> let's keep going. So, yeah. So, yeah, Flair should be annoyed at Hansen, but Hansen's now going to... Being with being something with Luger. Being something with Luger. So Luger's getting something different, yes. at least. Good. We're not going to have to suffer Luger Flair again this year. And it feels, it feels weird to say suffer, because they're good. It's not a bad match. It's just... Familiarity is like... It's like watching... You know, I, I love certain movies, but I'll only watch them maybe once a year. Familiarity breeds contempt. Yes. And if you can't go away, how can we miss you? Yep. If you won't go away, how can we miss you? It comes in matches as well. Like, yeah. If I see a match every couple of years, and it's a good match every couple of years. There was recently a match at AEW for Indoor. Kenny Omega, Will Ospreay. Yeah. People went mental for it. And it's the second match... They had one in January at Wrestle Kingdom and they had one last month at Forbidden Door. And people are like, ooh, Will Ospreay's British. They can do it at Wembley. And I'm like, Jesus, guys. Don't go there too soon. Let it go to January again and do it at the next Wrestle Kingdom. One one Will Ospreay works for New Japan. They're like, yeah, but he's British. I'm like, they did it two months ago and nearly, you know. Let it rest. <laughs> yeah. Let them build to Let people something. want it more. Yeah. Ah, oh. have Will Ospreay at the United Kingdom show? Yeah. Have him attack Kenny. Yeah. Build up so the next big show, even if they won't hold off until they come to England again and do. It's not even that. It's you, if you give that show to New Japan as well. Yeah. Then that puts you on good standing with New Japan, and you'd be like, "Can we get so and so and so and so in?" Yeah, yeah. sure. So. But anyway, that's, you know, you know yeah. I know you're not a big a big fan of modern wrestling in general. That's but... why I do a podcast about old wrestling. <laughs> for... <laughs> but uh, I just it's just um, it's something that our our listeners might be able to 
So Stan Hansen versus Lex. Looking forward to it because it's something different. Yeah. And then Sting versus the Black Scorpion is coming up. But first, we've got an interview. So we've got a video recap first. Yes. Of the Black Scorpion taunting Sting. Tony Schiavone introduces it and then interviews Sting. And Sting says, I've got no idea who it is. Yeah, the the, the Black Scorpion has mentioned 1989. 86. 86. And California. Yes, where Sting comes from. So, 1986, California. Those are the clues that the Black Scorpion has given to their identity. And should Sting be able to beat the Black Scorpion tonight, the Black Scorpion shall reveal his or her identity. Well, it's his. Let's face it. It's a bloke. Yeah, okay. You've got body type. It's a bloke. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Hmm. So this is the setup to the main event. Sting is basically... Sting, worryingly, Sting looks scared a little bit. Worried. He doesn't know who this man is. Of course he should be scared. This he's, man's a psychopath. He's the freshly minted world champion. He should be He should be out there celebrating and accepting challenges. But he, he, he looks like he wants to go anywhere else than right here. So... We had to start with this match. Can we start at the end? <laughs> I wish. It's a quick match in reality. It is a quick match. So, it starts off with Sting. Oh, no, no. If you're going to do the entrances for for your match, you've got to do the entrances. Because Sting comes out and he looks great because he's Sting. Mm. And then the Black Scorpion comes out and it's just a bloke in, in a robe. And it looks like a, it looks like he's an extra from the Cadval Mysteries. It doesn't look a like, doesn't look a robe for Emperor Palpatine from Star Wars. Like it's a dark robe, yes, but it's got this big rope around it. Like he can't afford a belt. It looks dumb. And then he's got a hood up, and the hood comes down, and he's wearing a mask. Yes. So it's like, why well, bother with the hood and the mask? Yeah. Didn't Doom dress like that for a while? Doom Doom had, but theirs were like cloak. There was like capes. They had like they maybe did. they had a bit of leftover material and then did the black scorpion. <laughs> so anyway, the mysterious Mac Black Scorpion, who the commentators are putting over hard, they are saying anything about this Black Scorpion, how how dangerous he must be, and how Sting doesn't know who he is, so he's had no time to prepare. Should we go to my list of possible Black Scorpions? Yes. So who is the Black Scorpion? All we have is 1986 in California. So, I've got four choices, I think. I've got the warrior. Yes, the ultimate warrior. Sting's former tag team partner. Yes. A good choice. That is who I believed they hoped would be the Black Scorpion. Then I have Red Bastion. Was he also a member of Power Team USA? I'm not sure on that one. I believe he helped train Sting, though. Along with Eddie Gilbert. Yes. Who would have been a good choice. And then, of course, it's a masked man in WCW. It could be Jack Victory. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh God. I wish. I wish. Because it's Alvarez. Alvarez is under the mask in the ring. In the, in the ring, it's Alvarez. He wasn't told he wasn't the real back scorpion. As far as he was aware. Spoiler alert for the fans there. 
<laughs> the guy in the ring is not the real Black Scorpion. As far as he's aware, though, he is. Yeah. Good man. Until the end. That's got some good kayfabe there. <laughs> kayfabe being your own guy into thinking he's probably got a top spot job. That sucks. So this is a lot of back and forth for the actual match. Scorpion starts strong. Sting takes over. Scorpion takes back over. And then Sting starts making his comeback. Hits the Stinger Splash. Wins. Pulls off the black mask of the black scorpion in the ring. Turns around. Pulls off the the mask to find another mask underneath. And rather than immediately pulling off the second mask, goes to throw out the other mask to the crowd. Yeah. And then before he can pull off the other mask, there's a man standing in the aisleway. In a dumb robe. In a dumb robe. And the, the announcers are like, well, that must be the real Black Scorpion. He's wearing a black mask, and it might just be Jack Victory. <laughs> oh, God. It, it's... I get what they're going for. I really do. You want to... They, they want some intrigue. They want They want to... Uh, they, want to in, they want to make people go, oh, who's this guy? And the fact of the matter is, I couldn't care less. Well, they don't make us care anymore. We've, like we've said at the beginning of the show, we're re-recording due to technical issues, and we've done the Black Scorpion and listened to those shows because they're brilliant. Oh yeah, don't get me wrong. Like there's there's some there's some there's some grade A wrestle crap coming up, but the funny thing is, I would be pissed if I'd sat through this show to find out who the Black Scorpion was, because if you're a wrestling fan, there's like a mystery guy, it's someone, yeah, yeah, that's how it works. And what they basically went were, you're going to find out this guy's identity and you're like, I hope it's Terry Funk. I hope it's the Ultimate Warrior. I mean, that'd be ridiculous because right now he's a Warrior World Champion in WWF. At this point, yes, he is. Um, I hope it's... Well, you could you could make several guesses. If you, if they, they they gave you these clues and you could make guesses and, and you did. Right, I know Jack Victory, ha ha ha. But you, if you'd have been sat on your own at home and you've been you know a big fan you could be like so and so they're free you know, they've just left WF it could be anyone and in in the end they take off a guy's mask to reveal another mask underneath and then a second guy and then a second mask. guy comes out and they may as well go ha ha you've wasted your time see you next week but they lead up to the next show because while he's dealing with these two black scorpions black scorpii if you will a man who gives zero fucks. Oh yeah, comes down and kicks the crap out of Sting, the master and ruler of the world. Sid Vicious rules the world. Yeah, and he comes out and he looks incredible, and he batters Sting, and that's the end of the show. So they they leave you with a good image, with a good like, oh, Sting versus Sid. That should be that should be real good, and that's that is different. But who's the Black Scorpion? Who, why do I care? You've already set up Sid. But who's the Black Scorpion? That's, how, that's what the show's like. That is exactly what the show's like. So our next show that we'll be that you'll be listening to is yes. Halloween Havoc after this one. Yes. Where Sid faces Sting and we have some more Black Scorpion Stuff. shenanigans. Yes. The shenanigans are well worth it. Yeah. Yes. Hilarious. Yeah, from my from my memory, that was pr- from watching it. I remember being like, yeah. "Haha!" I really look forward to putting that out. Yeah, I, that out. to be honest, I've looked forward to putting out those shows. And it's like I know those shows work, yeah. and then we'll 
We've got that and the following clash. And then we've got to record Starcade, Starcade. for the year. Uh, and that'll be the end of 1990. The end of 1990. The end of the Black Scorpion. And, and the opening of a new era for WCW. Oh, can't wait. Can hardly wait here. So, match of the night and MVP, Dave. Uh, match of the night. Oh, God, that's a tough choice. I'm going to go with Stan Hansen. I'm going to go with Stan beating up Z-Man. I'll be as honest as I can and still say Luger and Flair. They still went for it. It was still good. Just because I'm tired of seeing it doesn't mean it's not a good match. You might be right there. Stan Hansen's definitely MVP. Stan, yeah, Stan Hansen is like... He has a continuing story throughout the show. If they'd started out right at the beginning... That could have been a really good story throughout the show to keep you hooked. Yeah. Can you imagine if Stan Hansen would be the opening match? And just started smacking everybody along <laughs> the way. Just, uh, yeah. What this person's with me comes in the ring and hits them. Yeah. I mean, you couldn't do too many interferences, but if you'd have, you know, Stan Hansen wins a match and then finds out he's only sixth. Yeah. And then, you, oh, backstage something's happened. And it's just Stan Hansen has beaten someone in, in, that's ahead of him. Yeah. In the head and injured them. So that means he's fifth. Or something like that. We should really have taken over the booking of WCW in 1990. Yeah, but we were six, as you're saying. Yeah. I can't believe we were that young. You were seven. You were old. Oh, I am, I am older than you, yeah. Yeah. Ha-ha. Um, but yeah, a bad show. And full of the problems that WCW has. Yes. And the reason we're probably not going to do clashes properly again. Probably. If they're good, if there's something really worthwhile, we'll probably come and do them, I'd say. Yeah. But I, 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 I really wanted to do every big show. And we still are, because these are not big shows. No, they're not. They've not been for a while. No, and and the problem is, we'll, we'll come to do them. Because there have been some recording sessions we've had where it's been two clashes on the trot. There's been no pay-per-view. So it's been like, that's a bad show. And the next one recording is also a bad show. So are these even entertaining for listeners? Yeah. I'd rather get to the meat of the matter and be like, this is a big match, this is a big match. And it's, and we are going to watch the clashes, but watching the clashes once and then watching it again to take proper notes and find that background information, it takes time. And I'm, I'm happy to put, put that time forward when I think there's something worth knowing about it. There's nothing on this show that you're like, well, you have to know about that. And... In a few years, because uh, we get quite a lot knocked out when we get down to it, we're going to hit stuff where there's important stuff on TV. Yeah, it'll be like we'll have to cover nitros, we'll have to cover certain nitros, we'll have to cover, we'll, we'll have to cover the first thunder, we'll have to cover you know some Saturday night stuff, we'll have to discover, we'll have to cover where stars come in and where stars go. We'll have to watch uh, Ready to Rumble. Yes, I'll, I'll watch Ready to Rumble with you. It's a terrible movie, but I'll watch it with you and we'll do a review of that. No problem. We've obviously got Flair's disappearance to discuss. Right? Yeah, we, we could discuss the disappearance of Ric Flair and where he goes and what he does and perhaps um, review some of those shows. Yeah, so there's quite a lot that we'd like to get in. Yeah, the, the, the thing the is... The clash doesn't seem worth it. I, yeah, I don't want to waste your... To be honest, Dave, I, I could waste my time because it's just my time. Yeah. But the fact is, you're having to be like, okay, I've got one day off from work and I've got to watch what I know is going to be a bad TV show and then write notes on it. And I'm like, let's just get to the pay-per-view. Stuff happens on the pay-per-views. 
or is at least presented as a bigger thing on the pay-per-views. And if these were still presented like Clash 1 was, I'd be like, no, we've got to do them. These are not. The amount of jobber matches on this show is horrendous because it means they're not they're not featuring their actual roster because they don't have one. Yeah. So I'm in full agreement here. So after the next clash of champions We'll do Starcade and then we'll start nineteen ninety one and we'll cover the pay views. And we'll cover pay views and we'll throw in information about the clashes where it's relevant. Yeah. You know, there's no point me telling you oh Stan I will you know, if Stan Hansen beats Jobber on the clash, I'll be like Stan Hansen beat a Jobber on a clash. There's no point me telling you who it was, how long the match was, or anything like that. It's just that you'll need that background information. I don't want to put out stuff that isn't interesting for you guys to listen to and isn't interesting for us to discuss. So I think that's going to be it for Clashes. And who knows? We could discover after this regime is gone that the Clashes pick up again. And if that happens, we'll go back to them. I don't think they do. I can't see it. But we will be watching all the clashes, or at least I will. I'll, I'll watch them. You don't have to. I, I won't make notes. That I'll watch them to keep this. Yeah, so you in know the what's story, coming up. Essentially, but I won't do the full in detail notes. This this episode is over. You know, it's what, over half an hour, possibly an hour. Of us recording this, uh, we're well over an hour. So we're over an hour. Yeah, I'll have to edit some of that out, but. I don't really want to do another hour of this wasn't very good and nobody's here. And us going off on tangents talking about other things just to keep ourselves amused. Yeah. I don't and I enjoy I enjoy tangents and I'm sure our yeah. listeners do too. But the point is if that's the only thing in the show, then what are we doing? Right. I say we agree on this and I say we close this one off for the night. Indeed. So I've been Paul Barrow. I've been Dave Evans. And we'll see you next.